Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Split Opinion with Flora Gill and Amber Rudd. Flora, I think you'll find it's Amber Rudd first. And shouldn't you tell people who we are? Okay, uh, with journalist Flora Gill and failed politician Amber Rudd. (laughs) Or more like the right honourable Amber Rudd and her nobody daughter. Okay, wow, taking that to therapy. Each week we'll be discussing topics that split opinion and we'll be trying to convince each other to change their mind. That's right, because here at Split Opinion we think changing your mind should be celebrated. Too often today, people refuse to listen to the other side and have become very dogmatic in their positions. That's something I learned a lot about in the past few years in politics. So we'll be looking at items that have changed our mindset in the last week before picking a subject to delve into. Sometimes they'll be serious, like drug legalisation and prostitution. Other times they'll be less so, like telly and thongs. But we won't be doing it alone. We'll be joined by a guest, an expert, who can help each of us win our particular case. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to this week's Split Opinion. Today we're going to be talking about TikTok and whether it's a waste of time, whether we should worry about it, um, are there privacy issues. We'll be hearing from some journalist experts on the topic, Danny Fortson and Sophia Smith-Gayler. And before then, we've got Meggie Foster, who you may remember made a TikTok of us. It's not wholly flattering, but very entertaining. I've only been hearing about TikTok over the past few weeks in the business pages. So I'm very keen to find out what's going on with the potential sale of TikTok to an American company because of the issues between America and China. But I'm also going to use this opportunity to learn from Flora, as I so often do, about how TikTok works, who's on it, and why I should take a closer look. But before then, we're going to be talking about uh, our mini topics of the day, something that you've changed your mind on recently. So, Mum, why don't you start? I know this sounds weird, but I have changed my mind about seals. You want to clump them? They're they're ridiculous. I had never seen a seal before. I thought they were sort of things that basked in the corner but there I was out swimming you may have heard I enjoy my cold water swimming in the sea in the North Sea 
And one of them popped up about two or three metres away from me. I have to tell you, I may have given a bit of a scream. It was a bit of a shock. But this sweet Puppies of the water. Okay, I'm going to have to cut you off because this does not count as a change your topic, change your mind topic. That is so boring. We cannot ban you from ever talking about your early morning swimming in the sea ever again. Pick a new one. Okay, the other thing that I'm concerned about that I think we should think more about, so I've changed my mind in that I think we need to immerse ourselves and learn a bit more, is algorithms. Mm, Algorithms. We know we've learned all about the, uh, let's say, difficulties that my former colleague Gavin Williamson has had at the Department of Education, which has had such an impact on so many young people. But algorithms are now everywhere influencing our lives. And I think this is going to be the argument of the future. And people are going to say, I didn't want that. You shouldn't have done that. Those conclusions don't involve me as an individual. You've just put it down to a sum and worked out what you think is correct. Algorithms are going to be the bane of our lives if they're not already going forward. I thought it was so unfair a lot of that because I saw a lot of the discourse around the exam results that people had been predicted along the lines of, oh, well, teachers have obviously over-predicted all their students' grades or kind of implying that they were lying or fabricating or really not doing their jobs correctly. But actually, what they were predicting was the potential that their students had, the likelihood that they would get these A's. A-star might have been their most likely grade, but a lot of students, as we know, you know, mess up or they don't get a good, don't have a good day or they get a bad question. What the algorithm did is it forced some people to say, oh, we're randomly going to decide you messed up on that day, which is just such an unfair thing to do. Completely unfair. I mean, it happens when people sit exams. Somebody has a bad day, somebody wasn't able to sleep at night, and therefore they do get a lower grade than was their ability. But it's not for a teacher to assess that. But I mean, I think that's been an important learning process. But algorithms have been with us for a while. So, you know, when you go to buy a book on Amazon, you're offered ones because of the ones you've previously read. When I joined Instagram for the first time, I followed you, Flora, and uh, your cousin, my nieces and within seconds I was offered Victoria's Secret and Kim Kardashian to follow I I think that is the algorithm working perfectly (laughs) I can completely understand how if you followed me you'd want to see Kim K we are I mean people see us in the street and they're like twins (laughs) I'm not sure I really know who she is very much but um, wow um, but what I wanted to do was follow other politicians so I had to reform that algorithm and make sure I got the people I really wanted and also algorithms are going to be a really important part of TikTok and I'm sure we'll talk about them in a little bit as well yeah let's find out about TikTok no, first you need to ask me about what I've changed my mind on. You've okay, forgotten sorry. me. On you go. Say it again. <laughs> sorry for interrupting. My God, she's apologised for interrupting. I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> one of the things I've changed my mind on this week or have been oh, dismayed by is Russell Brand. Have you seen Russell Brand talking about uh, the WAP song by Cardi B and Megan Stallion? I haven't seen it, but I've seen that he's been hitting the headlines, sitting there with his open shirt and hairy chest out. So obviously I've missed a story, but I get distracted. I need to move on from that picture. Uh, so, so you haven't heard the song? No. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not going to start talking about the song on here, although I think, <laughs> I don't know where to start. It's called uh, Wet and Gushy is the, the, the polite version. It's a very, very it's about washing song. up. It is, it is not about washing up. Um, it's, it's, oh, I'm, go- I'm just going to fall into a trap where people, people accuse me of talking only about talking sex about- for the sake of it. Yeah, exactly. Only talking about one thing. So I'm going to go around it. But basically, it's a song where these women are kind of very empowered and talking in the way that those kinds of songs are often men sexualizing women and oh, talking about them and talking about their own genitalia and what they want to do to women. And this was, these are two women talking about it themselves in a very 
I, I mean, I think probably quite vulgar way that was, I think it's quite... Oh, What's it got to do with Russell Brand? Basically, I think it was quite important that they were taking the narrative and owning it. A lot of other people disagreed, but Russell Brand basically said... This is why that isn't feminist. This is why you're not feminist. And then he said, Margaret Thatcher wasn't a feminist. And I'm sure you disagree with that. I'm not going to get onto whether Margaret Thatcher was a feminist or not. But the reasons he said is because she showed male qualities instead of female qualities. It was it was just completely absurd. I don't know. That is classic. Sorry, but mansplaining, isn't it? It's like, what does he know about it? Yeah, exactly. I also think the way that he... People often have an issue with the way that he talks about things as if he is vomiting up a thesaurus, as if he needs to use the most verbose, extravagant language for every word. Yeah, it sounds like I didn't miss much because uh, I don't think I had anything to learn from him about who's a feminist and who's not. Yeah, I, I tweeted about how I do, which I do think is true, that he is the kind of man that would stand in a delivery delivery room and teach you how to push. Except it would be very like a, no, no, the thrusting and propelling must originate in the perineum and mind. Excommunicate the infant from its uterine abode by envisioning your patulous yoni. You know, it's very extra. Yes, yes, yes. I think that it would put anybody off in the birthing room. So this week's main topic is on TikTok. Uh, Mum, what do you know about TikTok? Do you know anything about TikTok? All I know about TikTok is that Microsoft and apparently another company are considering buying it and that Trump is determined for it not to stay in Chinese ownership. What I don't know really is much about the content except the bits that get put onto Twitter. Then I see those bits. So I really want to be the expert on this. I do end up spend, accidentally spending quite a lot of time on it, but I am just, it's really upsetting and hard for me to say this. I am just too old for TikTok. And no. I know. I, the fact that I've reached the age where a new social media has come out and I am beyond the age bracket, it's more upsetting than when I realised if I went on the X Factor, I would be on the overs because that's <laughs> over 25. Oh. Just, just to show you how much I, I don't know how to do it, I thought, I, I thought I had a great idea and that I would go on TikTok and make a video telling all of its users that we were doing this episode. Good uh, idea. This opinion. I thought, tell me what you think. Do you, what do you think is good about TikTok? Would you care if it was banned? Do you know how many comments I got on that TikTok? 20, 30, 40. Yeah, I got one. One. And it was from someone saying, gonna have to pass, sorry, got plans. <laughs> <laughs> Darling, that's not a fan, I have to say. <laughs> no. So before we talk to our journalists, we're going to talk to Maggie Foster, who is kind of, an, I'd say, an entry-level TikToker for people that aren't on TikTok. So even people like Mum have uh, watched her videos. I've loved her videos, and they appear on Twitter, so I get the best of both worlds. <laughs> I was innocently talking about uh, getting a pregnancy test, and uh, the first boy I ever slept with had slid into my DMs after ignoring me for 10 years. He had found out that I wrote for GQ and said that I might be the most accomplished person he's ever slept with. And mum's completely unasked for, unrequested, just said, what did you say? Well, I just jumped on in there and I said, 
your mother would like to speak to him. Um, I thought it was an opportunity to give a general warning to people to be more careful with sex, basically. Oh, my gosh. I'm the first one who's really brought it up. Hey. Hey. Hi. Hi, guys. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining. No, thanks for having me on. God, it's so interesting to hear your real voice. I was like, what's it going to sound like? (laughs) I know. Everyone says It's really funny. I actually used to do loads more audio books. So no one saw my face but only heard my voice. And now everyone is the opposite. Everyone sees my see my face and doesn't hear my voice so it's a little bit weird so Meggie for anyone that hasn't seen your hilarious videos can you tell us what you actually do yeah so basically um I use a software called TikTok um and I get an audio of any politicians or match up to conversations of politicians um, and I basically lip sync them um but I I take I take it out of context and put it into a, a ridiculous context that never happened for example, um, the Stay Alert speech by Boris Johnson. He was ha- talking to Theresa May um, and reading her 1984 as a bedtime story, uh, but using their own words um, to create a completely different scenario, um, which I hope are quite funny. Yes, I can <laughs> confirm that that was a very funny one. And uh, most of the political ones are very funny. But me and my friends, we seize upon them and share them as the latest, Maggie. Um, so, Maggie, when did you realise that we were going to be good content for one of your videos? Well, I like I said to quite a few people, I'm sort of like a bystander on Twitter, um, seeing what's going on. And obviously, you, you guys' relationship is so funny. Um, your tweets like tw- to each other just made me laugh. And then I knew that you were doing... Um, your podcast so I was like oh my god great I'm gonna have to listen to the first one and like see if there's anything in there that I can make a tiny bit funny and there was obviously so yeah that's how, why I did it <laughs> and do you consider it a success while we continue talking about ourselves <laughs> yeah absolutely I love it everyone found it so funny so I'm really glad that I did it and I hope I hope it brought you some some yeah I got a few people being like oh I actually just listened because I heard Megan making fun of you and then actually thought it was quite good I was like I'm so glad anyway that's fine exactly no I got I got people who had never watched listened to our podcast who had claimed to have started to do so because of that so yeah all good how do you um how do you normally pick a pick a target what's your what do you look out for yeah, so like I said, I'm sort of like a bystander. Um, so I can see, like, if it's like a celebrity one, I can see sort of opinions on, pe- uh, you know, that people have about certain celebrities or um, or just funny videos of celebrities. I did Celine Dion one the other day, which is like, it's just one I've known for ages. Um, but in terms of sort of the political ones, um, there's infamous ones like Diane Abbott and um, Natalie Bennett and stuff like that, like the car crash interviews that I try to just like, place different things that they've done in in their past and like bring it in to make it funny um but then just up-to-date ones like the pretty patel one obviously she um, messed up her lump- numbers quite recently politicians do provide quite good fodder i do give you that. it's quite they do give me i don't know that's obviously not a good thing but they do give no. me quite a lot of content how so. much does your own political uh opinion make its way into the material that you create well the funny thing is is that i'm actually not that political at all um my brother's actually a journalist so he helps me a lot getting all of the um all of the material so i mean i follow the news and i vote but i'm really not that well informed in that sense which i think surprises a lot of people and i don't i'm not like like choosing sides at all there's you know labor you know conservative green party so I try to do a fair balance because obviously that I'm not trying to make like a political point of my own because 
I, I, again, I'm not that well informed. No, I, I think that's fair. I think you make fun of everybody. Yeah, so you're ma- not making it. You're not trying to make a political statement or to influence. I wish I wish I could if it was more informed, but I'm not. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting though that, for example, people like Mum when. When I suggested to mum that we do this topic on TikTok, you were one of her first thoughts as one of the, I think, only TikTokers she can name. (laughs) But it's interesting that you have kind of bridged that gap between TikTok and Twitter because, I mean, you have a lot of followers on TikTok. You have like 20,000 or something, but actually that's not a huge amount for TikTok. Whereas actually you have over 100,000 on Twitter, which is an interesting kind of... I know I started actually just putting like the the, like the celebrity ones I started just on Twitter anyway because I really wasn't um that on Twitter beforehand I kept coming back and forth all the time I used it for my acting stuff but that was about it and and then obviously that when I did the first political one that's when Twitter just like boomed and it's so interesting to see the different um sort of um, the responses from different platforms on TikTok, you know, the celebrity ones are really, really uh, popular and the, the po- politics ones aren't. And then obviously on Twitter, the politics ones are my best ones. So it's very, very interesting. Yes, because I mean, people like me are not on TikTok. So we only see your um, videos because you put them on Twitter. And it's the same with Sarah Cooper, the very famous US one as well. That is what she's called, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, um, otherwise, we, um, otherwise, we'd miss out entirely. But I'm not about to join TikTok, not at the moment anyway. But it's great that we can get the benefit of it because you just put it on Twitter. Why doesn't everybody do that? I know, they should really. But most of the stuff on TikTok isn't political at all. It's just dancing and cooking. That's what I follow, any all the cooking stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure a lot of the content would translate as, as well. I think it's interesting that you're kind of your political ones do better on Twitter, which usually has a more, often has a more politically focused interest of the viewers and also has a much older uh, audience whereas tiktok is yeah. much younger i think that's like the good thing about it is that the, because obviously politics is for everyone i think that's why it's quite well received because literally any any age can can see you know some of them might be a bit more niche than others and you know different um age groups might not get it but it's 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 so for everyone i think that's why it's been shared quite a lot do you like doing the ones where you do the one person on their own or the two people? I mean, the, the two people one look a lot more complicated to do. And also you must have a bigger understanding of the characters involved than you're revealing, really, or somebody must help you. Because the reason why the Caroline Flint and Emily Thornby one was so good is that it was so convincing about the way they would, well, the way they did talk to each other and about how they moved around. Well, the thing is, is that because my brother's a journalist and he does help me. So I remember seeing the Caroline Flint um, interview on Sky News, I think, and he'd seen the Emily Thornberry one. So we sort of like collabed together, but I really try not to, obviously I source them, but I try not to actually like, like, like get too much information about them as a, as a person, because I just try to like close my eyes and listen to it and see what I think, um, is what, what what it sounds like so to me that that sounded like two girls at school a bit like I tried to base it on mean girls you know um, yes. Emily Thornberry and Pink um and then just it sounded like a bit like a cat fight yes. as, as, <laughs> as well as the um John Burko and Andrea Ledson one yes. when they're talking about the business of the house well the business of the house to me is cleaning so I got yeah. the cleaning products out so I, I really try not to look too much into the character in the, itself. How long does it take you to make a video? How much preparing? Because sometimes you have costumes and all. Yeah, it really depends on a couple of things, actually. So the length of the video, 
um, how quickly they're speaking. So, for example, in the Caroline Flint and Emily Thornberry one, the last line that um, Caroline Flint says, it doesn't sound that fast, but saying it lip syncing was 45 minutes to do one <laughs> line. It was hell. Um, but actually what people don't know is TikTok, the software isn't, isn't perfect because um, if you do like, let's say I was dressed as Emily Thornberry and did the whole scene and then Emily Flint and, uh, as dressed as her on the whole scene, if you go, and you can't flick between them because um, it goes out of sync really quickly. So what I've got to do is be Caroline Flint, change costumes, be Emily Thornberry, change costumes, be Caroline Flint. And so actually the, the changing of the clothes is actually probably the most lengthy part. Um, so it could take me up to five hours. There's like two to five hours, I'd say. Um, and what next for you? Are you going to carry on doing political ones or have you got any other plans to broaden your reach? Um, yeah, I think definitely there's, I mean, I've, again, like we said earlier, there's so much content for political ones. Um, so I definitely still want to do them, but I do, I, might, I do want to sort of branch out because like I said, on different platforms, um, there are, you know, different, different people want different things, right? So, and I'm all, interested in, in celebrity world as well. So I think I'll definitely branch into that as well. Um, but I won't ever leave the political side, I don't Well, that's good to hear that because I think there's a lot more fun to be had with some of my former colleagues. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Is it tricky that obviously these are taking you a lot of time and both TikTok and Twitter, as opposed to something like, for example, YouTube, don't monetize getting views or going viral. Is that not a massive issue with spending so much time to make yeah. this? I mean, I did give up my job. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, luckily, um, I'm at my parents at the moment. So um, it's fine for now. And I've got a bit of savings. So in terms of like money and stuff like that, I think there's definitely opportunities to monetize. Um, and I've got an agent now. So hopefully... I start doing some acting work um, to sort of fund my life. Um, but yeah, it's, it is tricky. I, I have to look into the YouTube thing because I do know that you can uh, monetize off that. But yeah, I mean, I like doing it for fun. I mean, I didn't start this at all with the intent of it going this viral. So I'm definitely like, I, I'd love to start monetizing it, but I, I do like doing it for fun and I won't stop just because I run out of money, but it will probably happen one day. A true artiste. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Maggie. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you so much, Maggie. Sweet Lovely. Soon. Thank you. Bye. So now we're joined by Sophia Smith-Gayler, who's a BBC journalist and also a TikTok creator and has become a bit of an expert in the field. So thanks for joining us. Um, Sophia, when did you first join TikTok? I first joined TikTok back in November. So, I mean, considering that was already certainly a year into TikTok's existence, you could say I came quite late to it, but I definitely came in before other people my age, I would say. Uh, and when I first approached the app, I just approached it as a video journalist, really, which is my day job. I heard this new video app on the scene. I thought, mm, I don't know if my employer will ever get on here, but in the event of them getting on here, I better clue myself up on it in case it gets a little bit more interesting. And the first video that I made did actually feature my world service team, even though I TikTok in a personal capacity, not in an official capacity for the BBC. Uh, and even though I had zero followers, it ended up going viral. And to this day, I think it's had over 250,000 views. Um, 
and it's very addictive. The minute you go viral on there, you just want to keep going viral again and again. And that's how it all started. But isn't that the same with any social media site? What, what is it particularly about TikTok that caught your, your imagination? And what differentiates it from the other ones that are more at the moment anyway, mainstream. You're right that you can go viral on any social media app. The appeal in TikTok is that more people can go viral than with other apps. For example, I've been spending a lot of time lately because I'm a religion reporter looking at spirit, spirituality influences on TikTok. The minute I start following a couple, watching a few of their videos, all of a sudden on my For You page, I'm suddenly served so many more because now TikTok thinks this is the sort of content you like Sophia let me show you more of it and it's that algorithm that's making people get internet famous um ordinary people people who aren't creators who aren't influencers they're going viral to what to what degree do you, do you not think because I worry about this a bit that it's just another way of keeping particularly young people because I understand TikTok is particularly an appeal to young people, keeping them online rather than going out and doing something perhaps more useful? It depends by what you judge, what, what is useful. It depends on the sort of content that you are consuming on not only TikTok, but any social media app, really. TikTok in particular is full of really um, quite a lot of how-to videos, educational content. Increasingly, it's, it's expanding a little into even sort of the news sphere and political punditry too. It's an arena where you do uh, learn a lot. And for lots of people, it, it, it's their television, really, certainly for um, the under-24s. So I wouldn't immediately assume that they are watching videos that are not edifying on TikTok. <laughs> OK, fast. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So as you said, if it's become like a television for under 24-year-olds, that is a huge resource for a lot of uh, industries and brands and areas. Is it is it being taken advantage of? Do you think people take it seriously enough? Even from a journalist point of view, do you think more journalists should be on it, using it in order to share news and information? So you asked two questions there. You asked whether brands are getting on there and whether journalists are getting on there. Uh, and I have 
I've got big thoughts about both of those. So we are seeing brands get on there gradually. What they're finding is that they can't rely on marketing strategies that they've been deploying on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat previously, because TikTok is a whole new beast of its own. Um, It really does rely on talent that know how to create organic growth on the platform. Uh, There's increasingly more scope for paid advertising. So for example, on Instagram, we're used to seeing brands pay um, for promoted adverts in the feed. We're used to seeing them, um, you know, provide spawn con for influencers. That will slowly start happening more and more with TikTok, but it's, 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 it's simply not enough say if you are in the fashion industry, it is simply not enough to be an attractive young man or woman um, to go viral on TikTok. You really do need a level of video know-how. When it comes to journalists being on TikTok, similarly, uh, I would say that some people simply find, perhaps because they haven't gotten so intimate with TikTok as I have, and I have seen these serious sides and these informative sides of the app, um, they do still just think it's for dancing and yes. lip syncing. That's what um, I there are plenty of people being very serious on there. And in fact, as an as a social media platform, it became one of the driving forces of Black Lives Matter um, over May and June, which I think is a very good example of how serious issues are tackled on there um, by a young generation eager to discuss them. Right. And what about things like the filters that I, I know exist on other social medias as well but which I see on TikTok a lot the kind of filters that make you look fatter and things like that and I feel like that can also be quite problematic and cause a lot of insensitive content. That's a good point. I think there are two things that I find very troubling about the app Um, and I say that as uh, someone who um, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that I was in the under 24s category. Um, But I do now feel like when I see certain kinds of content, I think, gosh, like young girls just shouldn't be looking at that. It's really that can be quite um, damaging on my self-esteem. So it must be on theirs. And um, there are two things. One of them is that when you do a live, you can change how your face looks for the live. I can minimize the size of my chin. And I can aggrandize my eyes and I can do a sort of skin smoothening effect. And I couldn't believe that when I was doing it. And I thought, but these are lives. These are when audiences expect to see creators and influencers at their most authentic. This is disturbing that for a live, you can edit your face really more so than you can when making an actual TikTok. And the second thing that I found quite disturbing is... um, the ads that I'm targeted. So I am targeted a lot of the time with fasting apps. Oh. I've also been served ads uh, generally about weight loss, uh, but mainly about fasting. Uh, I myself do not, I don't use any weight loss apps. That's not something I believe I've ever told. I mean, I, d- I don't follow accounts about weight loss. I don't even follow fitness accounts. Um, I imagine I just simply tick the box by being young and female that I am targeted this content. That is a grim thought, I must say. It seems so ridiculous. So, so what do you think they can do better to, to help with those issues? I mean, they can take off those kind of beauty filters. I know that the beauty on-off option is kind of immediately 
one of the first options you have when you create a TikTok. But are there other things that TikTok should be doing? I think it is mainly about being transparent. Um, Some people like having those filters, Uh, whether it's right or wrong. Some people like having them. As long as everybody knows those sort of things exist, that's o- I think that's okay. Uh, yes. it's, I, I suppose it's when, um, it's when it's all hidden and it's sort of darkly influencing things that it's bad. But I think just with any social media app, full transparency is what's required. Well, I think I got a bit of a smackdown there from Sophia for making it sound a bit frivolous. Do you feel a little bit less sceptical, a little less judgy of the benefits? Judgy? What do you mean judgy? I certainly <laughs> feel a bit, a bit more informed. A bit more informed. That's yeah, the I right do. Way. I get, what I hadn't understood is that it's also a news source. So it's not just for young people going out and doing videos and playing around. It's also where they get their news, where they might form support groups. So there's more to it than I thought. And uh, that's interesting. It basically can be. It's a lot like the internet or like a lot of other social media platforms to a certain extent in that you create the version you want to see. So if you just want to see funny videos of animals, you can easily start just getting those if you watch all of those and like all those and follow them and it'll show you more similar things. But if you want to be interested in other people that think like you or are passionate like you or want to understand more about a movement then it can also be really useful for that yeah I mean that's all good but she also didn't underplay the fact that there is a dark side to it as well yeah completely it Um, has its own issues it has its own I mean all these social media sites do that actually um, there are people who abuse it there are people who use it and pretend to be someone else and there's all sorts of bad things going on to be brutal which is what she described to us ultimately all these social media platforms do have a political angle to them often which is being looked at by another government and that's why it's so relevant that we're about to speak to Danny Fordson because Danny who's a Sunday Times journalist has been looking at some of the political and business implications and it'll be interesting to hear from him. Do you have a TikTok, Danny? So <laughs> I will say I've spent, for research, of course, uh, a lot of time on TikTok. I haven't done any videos myself, but it is really quite addictive. It's really, it's just the way they've set up the user interface and the way it just kind of feeds one thing after another and it learns what you like. It's, you suddenly, suddenly you're like, oh, I've been on this for 15 minutes. I need to get back to work. Um, it is quite. It is quite powerful. I find that a bit creepy. I have to say, you know that, it, that yeah. we're so we're so impressionable. Danny lurking or no, no not Danny lurking. <laughs> Danny can lurk, but Danny's real skill is in his podcasts about Silicon Valley. I enjoy your Danny in the Valley. I mean, there's oh, so, thank you. so much going on in Silicon Valley, and it's great to have it sort of reported because. It's where, you know, all these algorithms we keep talking about, where they're all going to be formulated and whether we like it or not, influencing our lives at every stage. It's the new, it's the new invisible hand. Yeah, yeah. It, it really does just shock me how little, when it comes down to it, I understand about any of that. I, I either have, I think, like a lot of people, have two modes of being either 
I really care about my privacy. Do not take any of my data. I will not give you my email. And then on the other hand, I'm just like, accept all cookies. Yeah, take agree, everything you I want. Yeah. Download it. There's really no in between. And the shocking thing is the more the more you talk to these companies, the more that you realize like they don't even know how half of this stuff works. So they, they put these things out into the world and then something horrendous happens or something is abused and then they have to kind of, you know, retool the airplane when it's already mid-flight which is why this is so problematic because these are really complex tools. Uh, and you just, when you have a billion people using something, things are going to happen that you just can't even expect. So we're doing this session on TikTok and I'm getting a bit of an um, explanation from Flora and her guests about what's going on with TikTok, how it works, why it's for young people, the popularity, etc. And you're my guest, Danny, and I would love you to help me explain to Flora the wider place of TikTok in the rivalry and the difficulties between uh, the US and China and why at the moment uh, they are under orders to basically sell by September the 15th and be shut down. Can you just can you just explain to Flora why that's part of Trump's game plan and perhaps what you expect to happen by September the 15th? It's a big question. That is a big question. Um, so I think there's a couple things going on here. One is you have this w- the wider trade war and worsening relations between the U.S. and China. And TikTok is the first and really only Chinese company that has made a dent in the West uh, culturally. It's the first kind of cultural hit, if you will, in in America and in the West. So it is a it is kind of, in a way, the most obvious target. But that is not the case within China. YouTube, Google, Facebook, any kind of big company that you can think of from the West is basically shut out of China. And so there's a, there's a little bit of a tit for tat here that, you know, talking to some hard-nosed business people be like, well, this is, you know, this is only fair. You're not, you're keeping us out of this, this billion-person market for our big companies. And so why are we the the mugs who are letting you just do whatever you want around the world while also building up your own giants within your borders free of foreign competition? Um, now, TikTok would say, we are not influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. However, it is by law um, subject to Chinese Communist Party Rules, regulations, demands, etc. Um, and so there is a softer, uh, the fear is almost like a softer culture war of basically the, the CCP having its finger on the scales of what is allowed on this app, what isn't. Um, there's been a lot of uh, instances, research, etc. around, say, the Hong Kong protests. Yes. If you're looking for posts around that, it was really hard slash virtually impossible to find anything about the Hong Kong protests on TikTok. That's so interesting. So when you think about that, you then you say, okay, well, this is a really fun app that people are using to do dance, little dances in their bedrooms. But it's also, you know, perhaps it's a Trojan horse for almost like a, a culture war, one meme at a time, where you're just very subtly allowing what you want for, from a Chinese perspective to get out there into the world. And you're kind of shaping... Um, you're shaping what is happening on this app, which 
thus shapes culture, and that makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. Because it's not just about the um, the dancing and the memes, it's also about the news, isn't it? This is what I've been learning by doing some research, and all those 18 to 24-year-olds, and let's face it, younger, that's how they get their news. So if it's already being censored, and for instance, not having the information about Hong Kong, then it's already being shaped. Exactly, exactly. And uh, the other aspect here is, of course, who is on the app. So I don't know if you saw there's a report, report last week New York Times got a hold of some internal documents that showed TikTok's own internal estimates found that up to a third of their users are under the age of 14. And when you think about that, that's quite scary. It's it's effectively the world's largest social network for kids, which of course is, unless you have parental access, which let's face it, mostly doesn't happen, uh, that's... And <laughs> that's an illegal business. And what is that doing to these children's minds when they're kind of just, you know, staring at the screen for hours while people are doing dances, sexually suggestive, there's body issues, there's all these other things. In addition to the fact that, you know, the Chinese Communist Party, if it wants to or needs to, can shape what is being thrown thrown out from this app. So th- there's a lot of there's a lot of problematic issues here. So, so- do <laughs> Okay. Go on. <laughs> I have to. Mom is very bad at not letting me into conversations. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if they can shape the conversation and uh, kind of influence it a bit, would that change entirely if it was bought by Microsoft? Does that change how it works then? Yeah. So so one of the issues here is okay. What does a Microsoft acquisition look like? Uh, but the idea would be that. Effectively, you'd repatriate everything that is in China to America, um, and it would be subject to you know what we would kind of broadly know as the open internet. So there is there is of course content moderation which has to happen whether that's on Facebook, YouTube, whatever, just to make sure that really horrendous stuff is not showing up on the app. But aside from that, there are very few uh, limits on freedom of expression. Um, you know, all the rules that we've become accustomed to um, and have been abused in different ways, obviously, most obviously with Facebook. But yes, it would be subject to kind of the Western idea of the open Internet, freedom of speech being paramount, etc. So is that what you expect to happen? It feels like this is kind of a train that's already left the station. It doesn't quite it's not quite clear where that train is, what station that train is going to end up in, because I don't know if you've seen Oracle apparently now was interested in buying it. Um, it's a very highly pressurized situation, but it does feel like TikTok cannot continue to operate as it is now as a Chinese company in America at the very least um, under its current guise. So I often see people uh, talking about kind of their privacy on TikTok or saying, you know, they're going to have access to all my photos or have access to my camera or something. And I just wonder how much that is legitimate or how much is there's just a lot of fear around anything to do with China. You know, we all saw the conspiracies around 5G and Huawei and things. How much of it is real and how much is just, you know, people's imagination? So the way the app was set up, um, there were some things in there that they were doing that raised a lot of eyebrows in like the cybersecurity privacy world where it was like, okay, well, why, why do you need GPS locations and why do you need access to my clipboard like stuff I cut and paste on my phone that have nothing to do with the app all of this type of stuff 
So TikTok, in response to that, has changed some settings of its app so that it doesn't do some of the most egregious stuff or the most questionable stuff, I should say. Um, and then more broadly, what it, the information it is collecting around, you know, your personal data, your information, your videos, your photos, all that stuff, it's not wildly different really than what Facebook or Snapchat or YouTube or any of the other social media networks are doing. But it is, to to your point, it's a really question of like, well, who's behind the curtain here and what are they doing with that information? So it sounds to me like it's one of those things like we saw with Huawei, where the West had failed to develop its own version. And then late in the game goes, whoa, we don't really want you absolutely embedded in our lives. Either you change or we're going to have to develop our own. And with Huawei, it feels like we're going to have to develop our own slightly behind the curve. Is that what you would expect with TikTok if it isn't satisfactorily sold, that there will be another one similar, which people will have to use, which isn't uh, Chinese owned? Oh, that's already happening. Okay. So Instagram launched Reels uh two weeks ago which is mom's looking nonplussed I'll show which you is tick which is tiktok basically instagram's version of tiktok right facebook tried to do this as well with its own which is a different version called lasso which was a total failure and they they um canceled but there's at least half a dozen other apps who are tiktok lookalikes okay that have that have that are out there now operating that are trying to seize this moment to basically lure away you know, the star influencers with money, with stakes in their company to basically take the eyeballs with them to kind of basically, um, you know, take the wind out of the sails of TikTok. I don't know if that's going to work. So is this a sort of a crisis of some sort for TikTok or is it going to be par for the course? It'll go into Microsoft and continue. I think it is a crisis um, because, I mean, they have a they have a a sister app in China um, under a different name, which is doing fantastically well. That's fine. But but TikTok is the kind of everything outside of China app. And, you know, it's it's in a way, it's kind of unprecedented. You have this massive company that's worth tens of billions of dollars that suddenly is under a forced uh, fire sale in 45 days by the president of the United States. Uh, which has opened this window for all these competitors to try to basically copy exactly what you're doing and kill you. So that's what's happening. So it, I, it, it is a crisis, yeah. And it's the crown jewel of, of ByteDance, which is TikTok's uh, mother company. Uh, one of the other things I think the president of the United States is probably pretty concerned about is the upcoming election. Um, obviously, we heard a lot about you know Russia and things like that uh, during previous elections. Um, how much is TikTok a concern and uh, people taking advantage of the vulnerabilities or indeed the, the site itself uh, during the election? It's a bit unclear. I mean, the, the most famous case thus far, um, which um, if you were cynical, would uh, you could say perhaps motivated Trump to make his move, uh, was this Tulsa rally where he had this Tulsa rally. He said more than a million people have asked to attend when in fact, the vast majority of those apparently were people on TikTok who were signing up free for free these free tickets specifically to not go. So the rally ended up having 7,000 people. And it was an embarrassment for the president. So you have this, it's, it's a quite, uh, it's shown itself to be a quite 
effective guerrilla political kind of tool um, to organize people in that way. Um, whether it will be gamed in the same way that Russia gamed Facebook. I mean, look, all of these social media networks, these apps, they all have vulnerabilities. But what is clear is probably that we probably can't imagine how that could happen if it does, just like we couldn't imagine that Russia would choose such a strange way and strangely effective way to try to influence the elections uh, in 2016. I'm quite upset that we haven't seen Trump in the same way he took to Twitter and made it his, you know, mouthpiece that he hasn't started throwing it back, doing a renegade on TikTok. I'm actually to... not disappointed in that at all. <laughs> I, would re- I would really not want to see that. So have we changed our minds on this topic then? Well, I've learned a lot more about TikTok. Uh, I hope you've learned a bit about the business side, which is what I'm so interested in. But I've learned a lot more about the content. I love that you think I know absolutely nothing. Uh, Maybe that's true. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry, darling. I don't want to be rude, but I think you started from a very low position (laughs) in understanding the significance. And Danny was fantastic explaining it to us. Well, basically, we found out that there are, as with a lot of social media sites, Uh, good things about it and bad things there are advantages and there are also weaknesses Uh, it was good to hear about the kind the aspect of how Gen Z are using it for lots of different reasons from Sophia from um, from creating small communities that they can talk to and interact with even using it uh, as information on new sites uh, hearing about Black Lives Matter really taking off on TikTok but then also about the negative sides. So we had things like the beauty filter, uh, certain content not getting taken down. And then also from Danny about the Hong Kong protests really not appearing on TikTok and about the influence of the Chinese government uh, on TikTok. Yes, that was interesting. I mean, I, I don't really know where I land on this, except that it seems to me that the two sides to this argument, so Danny explaining us the uh, trade war with China and the significance of the Americans saying they've got to sell it. They don't have any interest in the points that Sophia was making about TikTok being a really valuable site for the users. And I think that whatever happens, one of those sides is going to be frustrated in what they want to go ahead with. Mm. So uh, have you been won over? Are you going to be downloading TikTok on your phone, watching it every night? I think the best way for me to learn more about TikTok, because I am intrigued now, is to persuade you, Flora, to make one with me. Oh, my God. I have I have 50 followers right now on TikTok. That is none. If we do a TikTok, I reckon I'll have three. I'll get, I'll, I'll get so much hate. Uh, well, I think you've got used to a bit of hate on Twitter, and I've had hate for 10 years as a politician, so be bold. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. One TikTok, and, and, and then we're deleting it from our phones. Okay. Let's we're have both a too old for it. You've been listening to Split Opinion with Flora Gill and Amber Rudd. It's a Wireless Studios production for Times Radio, produced by Ben Mitchell. Tune in to Times Radio every Sunday at 7pm to hear us live. And you can download the podcast to listen on demand. We're available at Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and from the shiny new Times Radio app.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.